I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Warning. All watches featured in this video, even those based on real life, are entirely fictional. Cynical views raised against these watches are done so poorly and in a weak attempt at humour. The content of this video is complete nonsense and should not be viewed by anyone. Hey Tom, I hope you're feeling in a suitably pessimistic mood today. Oh yeah, I've got plenty to gripe about. <laughs> we thought we'd have a little look back through 2022 and pick out the watches that we thought the most. Now, I want to be clear, Tom, I think all watches are great, even when they're not so great. And it was actually really, really hard to pick out watches that we thought were even worth throwing any kind of negativity at. There are no bad watches, they all pretty much deliver on their intent. It's just whether or not you like the look of them most of the time, or if the way they deliver them is not silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole load of uh, circumstance surrounding a watch for your specific use case that would make it good or bad. And that's not something that we can really dictate. However, we're going to have a good old go, because why not, in the spirit of Christmas, um, poke fun at things and be rude? Tom, usually I'll let you go first, but in, in the spirit of being uh, obtuse, I'm going to go first. All right? Oh, that's really impolite. Shut up. <laughs> the first watch I've chosen this year is the Richard Mille RM88 Torbjorn Smiley. Let me take you through some of the, uh, the reasons. First and foremost... Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, I know where you're coming from. And I think it's it's emojis, right, isn't it? I mean, there's there's one sort of quite obvious emoji in inside it, but the rest of them just look like fun little bobbins. Yeah, if you were to take all the best charms from all the best charm bracelets and smush them all into a watch, you'd have this. It's got pineapple. It's got hamburger. It's got flamingo. It's got smiley face. It's got umbrella. Yeah, it's like Richard Mill times Claire's accessories. <laughs> yeah, and it's also $1.2 million, Tom. Is it? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so this is the, the other thing with, you know, picking worse watches is it, it makes me feel sort of ambivalent about the whole watch industry. You know, I don't know whether I'm coming or going. You know, on one hand, I'm like... We need more fun, playful, big, colourful watches. And on the other hand, it's like, this is a monstrosity. And I don't really know where I'm landing with this. I think I think I'm in the, the former camp and I think, you know, this is fun. It could have been a lot worse. You know, they could have got the poo emoji in there and whatever <laughs> else there is. Is it awful? Yes. Would I have one? 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> cool. Go on, Tom. Do your worst. Next up, we've got a fine watchmaker, Omega, and they produce lovely watches, very famous, iconic pieces. But every now and then, they do put out a bit of a head scratcher and um, they make a watch that tells the time on Mars. And you have to wonder, well, who's that for? A handful of scientists. And you could say fair enough, but you could also say, what the flip? <laughs> I heard a reason, like an argument for the existence of this watch. It's not for the astronauts going to Mars to tell the time. It's for the scientists back home so they know what time it is on Mars. But right. I have to ask the question, before this watch existed, were they guessing? <laughs> that, I feel like that's something they've already got covered. Yeah. I'm getting irked on behalf of the scientists. It's like this, the scientists at the ESA... Oh, Omega's on the phone. Hi, Omega, how are you doing? Yeah, it's been a while since your products have been relevant. What is it that you want? You're wondering if we know what the time is on Mars and would we like you to make us a watch so we can tell the time on Mars? No, we got that. It's, it's fine, thanks. That's lovely for you to ask, but we do know the time on Mars. Okay, okay, thanks. Thanks, but I think they're going to send them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, Tom, I do think Mars is really cool and anything that talks about Mars is also automatically cool. So... I'm undecided. Yeah, again, on the it, it's always on the flip side, isn't it? It's just a bit of fun. GMT hands, triple splits, tourbillons. Yeah, you know, we don't need them, but they're fun, aren't they? And so I suppose it's the time on Mars, even though we really don't need it. But someone does somewhere, presumably. <laughs> it's just a little bit of £6,000 fun, Tom. <laughs> sure. Speaking of GMT hands... Rolex, who have been making a GMT watch since the 1950s, they all sat down and had a strokey beard meeting in the last few years to determine what their GMT watch needed next. And the answer to that question was twofold. One, green. Two, left-handed. And so became what I consider to be the biggest new hattery farce of 2022, the left-handed GMT Master II. Yeah, you mentioned the strokey beard meeting, and I really want to know what the thought process was to say, let's flip the movement around and have it have the crown and the crown guards on the other side so that it looks odd next to our current lineup of GMTs. <laughs> I think what happened is the chief designer at Rolex was sat at the head of the table and everyone was going, oh, oh, oh I think we should do this. Oh. And he turned away, he rotated on his chair to look out of the window and he caught a glance of the reflection of the GMT Master watch he was wearing. And so history was made. Certainly didn't take any more effort than that, I don't think. Or maybe it's because he just literally just watched that episode where Ned Flanders opens the Leftorium and he's like, oh, wow, look, there's a massive <laughs> demand for left-handed goods. You're a Southpaw. So your take on this is incredibly relevant. Yeah, I really do not care. Well, there you have it. Words from a real-life, <laughs> genuine, left-handed person. Good. Go pick some bones, Tom. Yeah, okay, so this is a bit of a soft one, I will admit, but I do think it's quite amusing how Tudor managed to sort of stoke a little bit of hype by having a big countdown screen prior <laughs> to the, the announcement of this watch. And... When they drew back the curtain, it was just a very, very plain-looking field watch. Uh, I'm talking about the Tudor Ranger. And in addition to its very subtle aesthetic, it also had a tenuous link to some expedition, which I think they took a different watch 
but yeah so it's a fine watch you know it's hard to be angry with it's not it's not doing anything offensive but i think that's the problem it, it was just a little bit like oh tudor are on a, a hot streak what are they going to do next oh it's not the north flag it's the ranger hooray <laughs> that was my reaction to it really Unless we forget, this is a re-release of a watch they discontinued a few years ago and brought it back with slight tweakery. Yeah, yeah. Don't call it a comeback because it's not been long enough for it to be a comeback. <laughs> it's like it forgot its keys. <laughs> uh, yeah, that big countdown to the of its launch was was epic. But, you know, yeah, again, a soft gripe, but... Great watch, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Speaking of makers of great watches, this one has, has just popped off. Moser. These guys challenge the industry from all different which ways. They made watches out of cheese. They made a watch that was actually natural grass and moss growing. They made a watch that was all of those cliche icons of the Swiss watch industry smushed into one. And I love it. Everything that they do seems to resonate with me in some way or another. That is, until the genesis. Let me read you something. This is the result of a complete ecosystem that offers blockchain product authentication, exclusive privileges enabled by digital assets ownership and a metaverse space that showcases the manufacturer's products in an immersive space. That's all one sentence. By using new technologies, H. Moser is redefining the customer experience for the future. And I was like, oh yeah, that's brilliant because you know how blockchain and NFTs and all of that stuff has also just gone. And this has come out. I thought, oh, this is brilliant. Love it. The Bulgari QR code, the uh, Hublot blockchain warranty stuff. If there's anyone I trust with my warranty details, it's the manufacturer who's going to acknowledge the warranty. I don't need it to be secured by a bunch of other people living in cyberspace. And so I thought this was the next hot take, the next pithy remark at the industry. Sure. Yeah. And it turns out it was genuinely completely legitimate. Now... I do applaud Moser for trying stuff like this, and I don't want them in any way to stop. But this particular one was just a bit of an eh moment for me. Yeah, uh, I really hate NFT, blockchain, metaverse. The metaverse seems to me is like if buzzwords and marketing guff sort of became sentient and actually <laughs> formed into like a kind of mass. And that's what the metaverse is. It's just a load of hot air. And to hitch your wagon to something like that just seems like... Ugh. The bit that really slammed this home, particularly with the Moser thing, is in the metaverse, they have a virtual reality space where you can go and explore Moser. And the exploration in this virtual reality space is to look at 2D images and videos about Moser. I can already do that on my laptop. In the real world, I don't need a virtual space to go and look at 2D images. <laughs> Some of the techniques used in the watch I quite like. The engraving into the sapphire to create that milky three-dimensional layer. The, the titanium 3D printed bezel and crown. There's some really interesting stuff going on with the manufacturer there. The application with this digital tech is just a uh, from me. I actually really like the case. I like the Minecraft aesthetic that they're going for. I think there's some readability issues on the dial. I'm not a fan of QR codes. They're kind of handy, but I don't really need one taking out the entire dial of a watch. You can't win them all, and at least they're trying. They hit most. 90% of the time, they're hitting it out of the park. So, yeah, you're not going to win them all. Another one that is a little bit of a head-scratcher was the Tag Heuer Mario Kart collaboration. 
the Carrera Chronograph and the Chronograph Tourbillon. Now, I'm a fan of the mustachioed plumber as much as the next person, but again, it's the delivery. It's a I thought it was a nice watch. I thought it was fun. It's quite hard to blend Swiss luxury with retro gaming, but they kind of did it. it. There was some fun nods, like great attention to detail, but it just kind of felt like the highly limited um, number of pieces available and the very high price tag just sort of soured the whole thing for me, really. I mean, it almost seems like a little bit of a missed opportunity for, I don't know, poor Mario fans like me. <laughs> Do you know what I think it is? I think it's the fact that Super Mario is such a beloved, universal, accessible, innocent thing. Yeah. And £20,000 watches are not... £20,000 watches feel a bit more like exclusive, luxury, inaccessible, not for you. And to combine the two things together, it almost feels like Tag Heuer is saying, Mario is for us now. <laughs> We're making something Mario related that's not universal. And it takes away some of the charm. And so it almost then starts to feel almost like sinister in a way. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because the Mario version of the Torbjorn is about five grand more than the normal Torbjorn version. To have a bullet bill whizzing round on a Torbjorn is weird, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> a surprise release of this year is the Rolex Deep Sea Challenge, which is the consumer version of the concept watch that James Cameron used to go down to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. Yeah. Not beating the previous record set in the 1960s, and a record which was then later beaten by Omega's Planet Ocean Ultra Deep, I think it's called. Um, I did see, actually, in follow-up to the last time we spoke about this Deep Sea Challenge, I saw that James Cameron had thrown a little bit of a wobbly and said, well, I actually went to the bottom. There is no further bottom. I don't know how Omega did it. They're lying. Right. So, ooh, bit of beef there. In addition to that, I also heard about another watch that could go even deeper and that was even cheaper. I can't remember what it was, though. The Bellamross Hydromax, which also, in a normal size watch, can go to the bottom of the Mariana Trench and has been able to for years. So there's so much stuff surrounding the oh, of this watch that's actually... Yeah. Other watches can go just as deep and already have done. RLX Titanium isn't some fancy new technology. It's just grade 5 titanium with a silly name. Yeah. It's £20,000! But James Cameron did give his Submariner to a tribal chief, so he, you know, he's doing his bit. So what are you doing other than just complaining? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. But again, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's fun to have. Like, my watch tells the time on Mars. My watch goes to the bottom of the ocean. What does yours do? <laughs> uh, tells the time within an accuracy of plus minus 15 seconds a day. <laughs> <laughs> what else are we talking about? This thing. Oh, yeah. The glorious return of the Patek Philippe Nautilus 5811. Don't call it a comeback, because it's not been very long. It's another, oh, hi, I know I said bye a minute ago, but uh, do you mind if I just stay? I'll just crash on your couch. The Nautilus. This is the equivalent of when you have a big blow up with your girlfriend and you're like, I'm going, and you storm off about three steps and then you stop and you turn around and you say, I thought you were going to tell me to come back. <laughs> but Tom, what? hold your cynicism for a second. No. Because they have updated the clasp. Oh, okay. It used to be awful and now it's just normal. So you're getting something for your £56,000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Clasp stuff is very, very important. Do you know what makes this especially cynical? 
is that the CEO of Patek Philippe was also like, I don't like everyone talking about the Nautilus, so I'm going to discontinue it so no one can have one anymore. And I'll release it again, but more expensive so less people can have one. The other thing that makes me cynical about it is on the product page, it's sat next to a pair of Nautilus cufflinks. <laughs> and nothing says more than a pair of matching cufflinks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just jealous because I can't have one. Yeah. Tell you what I'm not jealous of though, Tom. Watch collaborations with the music industry. This is the Audemars Piguet Royal Oak Music Edition. They couldn't even be bothered to think of a better name than that. In theory, I kind of like this watch. Same. You've got those knurled strap links, which feel a bit like the edge on a, a jack. Crown guards, which are like the little slidey things on the, what's it called? The board. Oh yeah, like the faders. Yeah, the faders, that's the one. And then you've got the EQ on the dial. Or the beep, boop, boop, beep, beep. I mean, that's really nice. I really like the, the colour gradient and you've got the, the little red high peaks there. And it looks really fun, but it's static. If you were to do it the other way around and if AP were to collaborate with a hi-fi and you had a nice hi-fi system with your graphic equaliser and there was a Royal Oak hour and minute hand slapped on it, but they didn't go round, it would be the same <laughs> thing, wouldn't it? It'd be like, oh... Oh, I get what you're doing, but it's kind of pointless. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. When I see that, I want it to bounce up and down. Yeah. You don't want it just to be printed. Being printed is a bit like, you know, when you had the toy car and the dash wasn't real printed and <laughs> three-dimensional. It was just a sticker. Yeah. That's what this feels like. Sure. Now, same with the Richard Meal. Same with the Tag Heuer. And same with this. These are all great concepts for a G-Shock. But for tens of thousands of bucks? Yeah. I guess it's for producers like Michael and uh, <laughs> Dave Pensado, whatever. But on to the worst watch of 2022. Tom, I think we're both in agreement here. Oh, yeah. So this was really, really exciting. And when they made the announcement, a lot of people thought it was a hoax because... Again, it's, it was a little bit of a head-scratcher. This is the collaboration between Omega and Swatch, the Moon Swatch, and taking the iconic appearance of Omega's very famous Speedmaster Moon Watch and making it in bio-ceramic, a eco-friendly sort of plastic. A material I recently learned they used to make artificial hips with. Yeah. <laughs> Is that now the worst one you can get? Is that like the NHS issue if you can't afford another hip? <laughs> they give you the bioceramic one. It's the one that you order online and they send you a kit to do it yourself. It's made of old melted down swatches and it will squeak. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's what was really exciting about this was the, the proposition of having a Speedmaster looking watch that had officially a Mega printed on the dial for £300. And people clamoured to get one, but they didn't because there aren't any. I think they're available in about three shops globally and not online, even though they explicitly promised that they would be, and they're still not. And I think currently there are people still queuing outside Swatch shops in their local major cities if they happen to live near one, or you can catch them driving around in the back of a Fiat Punto or something. Um, yeah, so again, it's the delivery it was a really, really nice idea on paper. I thought like it could have, you know, disrupted the industry in a major way. But it's just, do that noise again. Just petered out because of a complete lack of 
ability to meet great demand. <laughs> if my dear old Nan was still alive, she would say, it's the thought that counts. And I'd say, shut up, Nan. If they thought about it, they would have made enough to make it accessible. Yeah. And anticipated the demand and sold it online and done all the other things that turn what is otherwise just a an idea, a nebulous idea, into something that actually materially works. If I saw one now, I probably wouldn't bother. Yeah, you would. Don't lie. Oh, do you reckon? I don't know. I just kind of feel like I'm over it. People are just starting to get them now. Are they? And those people who are getting them are people who have previously told me they were over it. But they saw one and they bought it anyway. Wow. It's still an impulse purchase. It's still a great watch. Yeah. Um, And I suppose you lose-lose if you choose not to buy it now because of the sandwich festival that was the whole release (laughs) of the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Utter sandwich festival, wasn't it? (laughs) So there you go, dear viewer and listener. Those are... Our worst watches of 2022. And as you can see, there are actually some pretty good watches in there that we would all own, which is great. The watch industry is getting bigger and better and shinier, and there's more stuff for everyone. So what would you say was the worst watch, dear viewer and listener? Pop it down in the comments below. Like, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.